0: Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast, and I want to thank you for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. Alright, it was a big uh, weekend in combat sports. There's a big uh, boxing match and a UFC event, a pay-per-view event, in which the baddest motherfucker was crowned. Uh, yes, we have reached a point now in mixed martial arts and in the UFC, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, um, probably actually just on the last episode itself, uh, this idea now of capitalizing and making these big money, what the fans want to see fights. And I remember a few years ago, I was sitting uh, for my weekly kind of wing night with my buddy, and uh, we were chatting. and And one of the things that came up was this idea of that we were talking about was making fights that the fa- that the fans want to see. Not every fight that the UFC was putting on at the time was really a fan worthy fight, and it was. And we were kind of feeling like, well, wait a second here. Like, are they taking advantage of us? What's going on here? And I've talked about this before. How I mean. There's lulls, and there's peaks and valleys and everything, and I mean, there are times when the cards feel a little weaker, and there was that year, too, when the UFC was plagued with injuries, and it seemed like every single pay-per-view was getting readjusted, fighters pulling out with injuries, uh, whatever it might be, suspensions, all kinds of things, and it seemed like they just had the worst luck in the world. But now with the new ownership, the new ESPN deal, and kind of entering yet. that next stage of development and growth for the company we're seeing these kind of opportunities manifest themselves we're seeing more inter-divisional matchups or outer divisional matchups i guess might be the better uh, way to put it where you're seeing guys step up in weight class step down in weight class we have multi-division champions in multiple divisions Like, that's what's crazy about it, is we have multiple multi-divisional champions now in the UFC. We have Henry Cejudo, who's the 125 and 135-pound champion in the UFC men's divisions. We have Amanda Nunez, who's the 135-pound and 145-pound champion in the women's divisions, and is defending both her belts. We have Henry Cejudo, who, I mean... He hasn't really defended his belt since he's won them, and he's kind of gotten a little bit strange on his social media. And, I mean, he called out Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I don't know if that was, you know, as a joke or what, or maybe he's letting his success get to his head. Uh, Nonetheless, it's kind of interesting. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, though, looking at if we see a situation where a Henry Cejudo calls out Conor McGregor. Uh, With all this news now of Conor McGregor coming back, uh, he recently pled guilty, avoided jail time. I think he had to pay a fine uh, for hitting that man in the bar earlier this year. And I mean, now there's new allegations and things coming out against him. And that aside, he's made a commitment. His coaches have said that, yes, he's in the gym. He's training harder than ever. Uh, you know, the same story always. And is coming back for his 2020 season. I wish Connor the best. Uh, as I, I, I've said this before, I, I think I'd done a loss episode where I talked about Conor McGregor and be, and the fans being allowed to love Conor McGregor again, and Conor being allowed to be loved again, and how important I feel that could be for Conor McGregor, for the UFC, and kind of for the sport as a whole. At the end of the day, Conor McGregor took mixed martial arts superstardom to a whole new level. And when it's all said and done, there is a spot in the UFC Hall of Fame for Conor McGregor. Whether people want to admit it or not, and whether we get along with all of his antics that he pulls in and out of the ring or the cage, Conor McGregor changed the game. And then he had his life changed for him. He changed other fighters' lives and then had his life changed as well for him. It kind of was a full circle moment. But nonetheless, at the end of the day, Conor McGregor doesn't owe the sport anything. If he wanted to call it quits and say, you know what? I don't have the heart to fight anymore. I really don't. And I got exposed when I fought Khabib. And yeah, I'm making gazillions of dollars from my whiskey and from being me. I don't need to fight anymore. Why should I? That would have been one way to go. Out, and, there's, and he owes nobody anything. He could have done that. Conor McGregor could have looked at everybody and said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. But instead, he wants to come back. He wants to cement his legacy. And I think, in a way, that's a very strong move for him. And honestly, it's probably one of the better moves for him to make at this time. He has the opportunity to come back, take some huge fights, big paydays, and re-cement that, yeah, I was at one point the baddest motherfucker in the UFC. And I think that's where it comes from, is that all of a sudden... Being the baddest motherfucker is a title. Being the badass of the sport is a title. Stone Cold Steve Austin, professional wrestling in the mid-90s and early 2000s. That was his shtick. He was the WWE champion because he was the baddest son bitch on the planet, to quote him. That was his thing. Stone Cold Steve Austin, come in there, throw down, have his beers in the cage, middle finger, Stone Cold Stunner. That was his thing. He was the bad boy of professional wrestling. And he gave this finishing move to his fucking boss. In what might, in my opinion, be one of the most important moments in television history, Stone Cold Steve Austin looked his boss in the eye, gave him the finger, and hit him with the Stone Cold Stunner. And I'm not promoting workplace violence. Not at all. But for once people saw and they were like, holy smokes. He just had had enough from his boss and put his boss in place. And how many people are like, fuck, man, I wish I could turn around and rip into my boss. Man, it would be so nice to to flip my boss the bird. We don't have that luxury. But we got to see someone do it and fuck was that exciting. Anyway, we have a baddest motherfucker in the UFC now. It's official belt. And, I mean, they made it very ceremonial. It's becoming more theatrical, which I'm I'm cool with. Why not make it a spectacle? If I'm paying $65 to watch the broadcast, yeah, I want some fucking production value. You better believe I want some fucking production value. So, I mean, all of this being said, they're doing a great job. The product is getting better. It's, you know, they're trying their best to give the fans what they want and i mean as you go through these growing pains right A part of any business is the growing pains there is always a bit of trial and error there's a bit of do this do that take away here take away there all of these things in order to create a successful business model and give the fans what they want as well you know people forget these things that you know you don't just all of a sudden oh hey I have all the magical answers. No, every company's gone through that, has gone through those growing pains. We look back at computers, we look at Microsoft. There was versions of Windows that were absolutely horrible. You know, early versions of Office where they had that weird fucking um, paperclip thing. And that would always freeze up your goddamn computer. Pardon me. You know, like, what the fuck was up with that? But nonetheless, you had, you know, there was growing pains. The Zune. The Microsoft Zoom. There were people in meetings, educated, intelligent people that said, this is the future of portable music. This device right here. I mean, I'm sure there's also people in those meetings that are like, I don't think so. I think we've missed it here. But... I mean, you never know. But nonetheless, all businesses go through that. And then you fine-tune things. You find, you know, the things you like about it. It's no different than even in poker. When you look at poker tournaments and poker tournament schedules. You know, there's fine-tuning along the way. I've seen now in this in this one aunt, posting ante, I've played different structures. I've played the big blind ante. I've played the small blind ante. I've played the button ante. I've played with a big blind posts the small blind as an ante. So if it's 100, 200, the big blind post, it's $200 big blind and $100 ante. I've seen where the button. I've played. I have legitimately sat down and played tournaments, no limit hold them, with button ante. So it goes big blind 200, small blind 100, buttons 200. Like that's pretty nuts. So. I mean, when you think about these things, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It gets a little crazy. And, yeah, you you experiment. You fine-tune. Now, I mean, you look at all the WSOP structures from this past summer. Any event where there was the ante, it was the big blind ante. And the big blind ante has become the universally kind of accepted form of anteing up in No Limit Hold'em. And I'm okay with that. But there was some growing pains along the way. You know, the Poker TDA, the Tournament Directors Association, for whatever however you feel about it. I mean, they get together every year and yeah. I mean, so like, oh, well, it's been the same rules last week. No, every year they're like, okay, we need to adjust this. We need to adjust that based on what we're seeing in tournaments, based on what the feedback we're getting from players. So there's a give and take. And I mean, and the UFC is at that stage now where they're like, hey, they're realizing, wait a second. Part of our business model is this idea of giving the fans a little bit more of what they might want to see. What is willing to make a fan pay $65 on pay-per-view or a couple hundred bucks to see the event live? And it's things like this baddest motherfucker title. And yeah, so they made it a little theatrical. They had The Rock at the weigh-ins with the belt. They had Dana White unveil the belt a couple of days earlier. And I think he said it was the most expensive UFC belt they had ever had commissioned. Saying it cost over 50 grand to make the belt. Which is pretty cool. And uh, yes, yeah, so the Rock walk out with it. And you know, that is music play. The Rock walks out. He does it, He has it on his shoulder his gigantic, you know, carved out of stone shoulders. Does his little thing. Putting the belt in the air. The fans erupt. And then the fighters come out. So yeah. So the fight was between Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. And I've long said these are two tough Strong competitors, and they bring the fight. They show up to fight. These aren't guys that are gonna sit there and out athletic you or any of that. They show up to fucking throw down and fight. So in a way, when you think about who is the baddest motherfucker in the UFC, these are guys that should be competing for that belt. I mean, Nate Diaz has fought in two weight classes in the UFC and had you know he's had title shot. He did fight Ben Henderson for the title and. I mean, he didn't look too good in that title uh, shot. But nonetheless, he fought for a title. You know, Jorge Masvidal, as they called him, the um, split decision loss king, came back and was like, fuck these split decisions. I'm just going to start knocking people the hell out. They're not knocking me out. I'm going to knock them the fuck out. What does he do? He goes in there and starts knocking people out. But nonetheless, you got a fight. And I mean, it was a good fight. These two showed up, they stood in the middle and just pounded on each other. And I mean, we can talk about the ending as much as we want and how controversial it was and how it was just such a lackluster ending. I'm going to give a little different take on it, a little more food for thought. The fight was stopped due to a doctor stoppage. Nate Diaz wanted to keep fighting. His eye, he had two cuts, one on the bottom of his eye, one on the top of his eye, that were badly split open. Only would have gotten worse. Doctor comes in and says, you know what? Enough is enough. This is done. These are two guys that show up to fight. Nate had taken a ton of punishment. There were times in that fight where I was like, oh my god, it's over. He kept back. He'd get position. I mean, Masvidal took it to him. Wouldn't we kind of expect a fight between the two baddest motherfuckers to literally have to be stopped? Wouldn't we kind of look at it as, wait a second, these two guys aren't going to stop on their own right. Don't we need to kind of intervene here a little bit and say, hey, you know what? I think this has gone on a little long. I don't think it's safe for you guys to be going on. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun, but I think it's over now. I think, Nate, you've done what you could. It's done. And I mean, Nate would have kept fighting. That's the fucked up thing. Nate would have kept on going. Masvidal would have happily kept on going. I mean, Nate says, you know, he was bringing on... And yes, the third round was exponentially better on his part than the first two rounds. But I've talked about this. That perception bias of, oh, because they've done so much better in, a, in one round, you think they've won it. I still think Masvidal won three rounds to none. Or was up three rounds to none. I, I have the fight. I should watch the fight over again. But you have a situation here where in Jorge Masvidal, yeah, I think Masvidal was up three rounds to none. So Diaz probably was not winning a decision anytime soon. And I mean, it could have been one of those sp- weird split decisions. If Nate comes back, and this is hypothetical, of course, if Nate comes back and wins the two, last two rounds quite handedly, he wins clean 10-9 rounds, well, yeah, all of a sudden you do look at that third round as being like, well, uh-oh, now What? The nice thing about it in the position that Masvidal put himself in is he just has to win four or five and he's won the decision and he knows that. I win one more round, I have the decision. It's done. But nonetheless, Jorge Masvidal comes in, whoops, Diaz around. And Diaz was a trooper. He was fucking game. He showed up, took a beating, and I mean, as I said, was never you can't count a Diaz out. I tell this to people all the time when they watch the Diaz brothers fight. You cannot count a Diaz brother out until that fight is done. And the same goes for Jorge Masvidal. You can't count Jorge Masvidal out until the fight is done. Until he's had the fight firmly taken out of him. Until someone's coming in and stuff. So in my opinion... Whilst it seemed lackluster, yeah, we would have wanted to finish. Whether it be knockout, whether it be submission, or it goes to the decision. It kind of, in a way, is the way I look at it. I'm like, that kind of is the way the fight would end. Where someone has to intervene and say, alright, alright. Enough's enough here. I've seen enough. We're done. See you later, guys. So, Whilst the ending was anticlimactic, it kind of, to me, in the by, by the definition of, of what the fight was, who was taking place in the fight, yeah, I kind of do see it being a situation where yeah, a doctor stoppage almost is what makes sense, and especially under those circumstances where you have a guy that is getting busted up, and will keep fighting. So, nonetheless, we have our baddest motherfucker. JL Sutton talked about this leading up to the fight and said... Why some other fighters are disgruntled and a little annoyed is simply because of the fact that here's a belt that's created for two guys who are on the verge of maybe title picture, who could sell pay- pay-per-views. I mean, you find out that is fighting for that welterweight belt, he's he's selling some pay-per-views. For sure. Nate Diaz? Bona fide needle mover. Bonafide needle mover. I think the only come back at this point, and that might even be bigger than Conor McGregor's. There's a couple that would be bigger than Conor, but one that would be bigger than Conor and bigger than these two would be none other than Nate's big brother, Nick Diaz. And that might be the fight we see. I long say when Nate loses, especially at 170, I'm always waiting to be, to see big brother Nick be like, all right, fine, so you beat Nate, beat me now. You know, and these are pretty nice guys. You know, outside of fighting, they're just you know they just want to hang out, have a good time, relax, chill. That's it. They're not looking for trouble. But I mean, I could if Nick Diaz came back, that could be another BMF title fight, a belt back on the line. Jorge Masvidal versus Nick Diaz, and that would be a fucking huge fight. So I mean, this this past weekend's event. And whilst it was it was a kind of a weird title fight, and I mean why? I, oh yeah, so sorry, I was talking about why other fighters are jealous. Is because it's, it's a manufactured belt that may or may not ever get defended. How do you quantify yourself as a title contender for the baddest motherfucker belt? Right? How, some guys are automatically out. Like, not sorry, you ain't got it. Other guys like, yeah, you'd be in it. You might not have a winning record, but fuck, you show up to fight. So it's a weird kind of situation. I mean, and for it to have been the most expensive belt they've ever made, (laughs) I can imagine some guys in that roster being like, oh, fuck this. One guy that comes to mind is Colby Covington. But Colby's got his fight coming up with Kamaro Usman for the uh, undisputed Uh, Welterweight title. And that could be something as well, where you see the winner of Usman versus Covington fighting uh, Masvidal. But I think if you want to see that BMF belt um, defended again, there's two big, huge money fights there that come out of this. One, Nick Diaz. If Nick Diaz were to come out of retirement and say, all right, fuck this. I'm the baddest motherfucker. I think you all of a sudden, yeah. You've got yourself, you've got a BMF title fight and you've got yourself a big money fight. Like headlining the summer card or co-headlining the summer card fight. And actually, I think it might be the headliner because even in a co-headlining spot, that might be where you would possibly see a John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. I don't know. I mean, whilst I'm excited for Jones versus Adesanya, I am that much more excited for the shot and possibility of Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. So, I don't know. But the other title fight for BMF, Conor McGregor. And I know people might say, oh man, Conor, here we go, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. I don't know that without Conor McGregor, you're having baddest motherfucker titles. I don't know that the UFC's making belts to give to the likes of Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. I don't know that they're fabricating belts to headline pay-per-views without Conor McGregor. And that's what I mean about his everlasting effect on the sport. That legacy that can't be really tarnished, that will keep growing, that has a forever impact on the game. People getting disclosed paydays in the seven figures now right connor came in changed the game he wins a couple of fights i think there's a bmf title fight there for him with that being said i'm not saying it's a winnable fight and i'm not saying it's a given that he beats masvidal or diaz i am not saying that at all masvidal will probably be the much bigger much stronger fighter but you never know this time away maybe connor has bulked up a little bit put on some size he looks good at 170 I'm not going to try and hide that. He looks big. He looks strong. He looks healthy at 170. I mean, he's not as big as like an Usman or a Lawler or any of these guys. But, I mean, that left hand speaks for itself. It put Diaz flat on his ass. So, I mean, you could see... Those are the two fights I see for the BMF. And if you are going to continue down this BMF road, when would be the next time? You know, does a Khabib want to throw his hat in that ring? I mean, the cool thing about the BMF title is this. It actually can have zero impact on you being the divisional champion. And that's where the beauty of it lies. Do you have guys coming down to fight? Is it a belt that somehow finds its way moving between divisions? I could see that. You could grow this. This is now just a new opportunity for the UFC to have interesting title fights where you could have a guy winning the welterweight belt and the BMF belt. Losing the BMF belt, but keeping the welterweight belt. Losing the welterweight belt, keeping the BMF belt. Situations like that. More champ-champ situations. It's an interesting dilemma. Or do you have more BMF belts? Do you have BMF belts where, I mean, for instance, you now have a middleweight one. Do you have a situation where not only is the middleweight title on the line, but yeah, you have a, uh, a BMF at middleweight? I don't know. Do you have it at lightweight? Do you have it at light heavyweight? Again, I don't know. I think it was the perfect recipe and blend for a belt like this to be created at the division and with the people involved and even for the continuity of the belt. You know, that's where guys like a Robbie Lawler all of a sudden find themselves back in a mix for some kind of belt. So, it's an interesting thing. And I think, while some people might look at me like, oh man, are they getting cheesy? I think it's great. Why not add a little theatricality to the UFC? If I'm paying 65 bucks, I want to be entertained. you damn right I want to be entertained. So, I'm all for this. They put on good fights. It was a great fight on the weekend. And as I said, I look at the ending as... Yeah, these are two guys that will fight... Until they are literally just about passed out unconscious. So, yeah, you would need someone to step in and say, okay, okay, we've had enough of this. So, I think the fight ended in a way the way it probably should have. And we have, so we have this BMF belt setting up um, going into the end of the year stretch here where we have the absolutely stacked card in December, three title fights, Usman Covington. Uh, Nunez versus Durandami and Holloway versus uh Volkov or Volkanovsky, something like somebody. Um and in a and 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 I'll kind of close off talking about this. It's an interesting card and lineup of title fights because if I'm not mistaken, it's Usman versus Covington is the true main event, but they have three title fights. I don't know at this point that those two are headlining pay-per-views over Amanda Fucking Nunez. Amanda Nunez might be, and in my opinion, very well is the pound-for-pound number one fighter in the UFC. Her and John Jones are neck and neck. And if it wasn't for John Jones' ability to just absolutely fuck anybody up, but I mean, so does fucking Amanda Nunez. Nobody wanted to fight Chris Cyborg. Durandamie gave up her belt. To not fight Chris Cyborg. And yeah she said the steroid thing. And long standing hand injuries. And this and that. Long story short she didn't fight Cyborg. Nobody was lining up. Saying oh hey. Feed me Chris Cyborg. I want to fight Chris Cyborg. Amanda Nunez not only wanted the fight. But going into the fight she said I'm going to beat her. And truly believed. I'm going to beat Chris Cyborg. And those two women. Stood in there exchange blows and yeah the first advantage in the fight actually was Chris Cyborg you watch that fight over again Cyborg is the one to put Nunez in danger first and then Amanda Nunez gets that look on her face comes back and boom right hand left hand right hand and Cyborg is down and we've got a female champ champ Amanda Nunez in my opinion should be headlining that fight now the rhetoric, and I get the logic they use, is the biggest weight fight is the main event. And and yeah, I can see that, but I'm pretty sure there's been cases in the past where a title fight... Yes! Yes, there has. Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz won. There was a title fight in the co-main event just so that Conor versus Nate could be a five-round fight if need be. So don't give me this shit about, oh, title fights are automatically main events, and the heaviest weight is the main event. Amanda Nunez fights on a card, and in my opinion, unless somebody like John Jones is is on that card as well, Amanda Nunez is your main event. Period. I'm going to leave it there. I thank you all so much for tuning into the... This episode of the Seems Legit podcast. I thank you so much for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode. Take care and bye bye for now.